Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. We expect that the whole surface is basically molten. So it's kind of like the floor is lava over the whole planet. The floor is lava? That sounds really unpleasant, to say the least. But today, that's what we have in store for you. We're dreaming up the most horrific planet we can. That's right, it's the worst of all possible worlds. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> At Dead Planet Society, we imagine what it might be like if we were given cosmic powers to rearrange the universe. And today, we're rearranging things for the worse. On purpose. (laughs) We recently recorded an episode at New Scientist Live in London, and you get to hear it now. We were joined by Louis Dartnell and Vincent Van Eylen, and plenty of you lovely listeners. Thank you so much for coming out to watch the show and for bringing us your fascinating questions. Right, so for this episode, we wanted to design the worst planet for life as we know it. And we started with what we already know exists. Yeah, so we explored the planets in our own solar system that we know are pretty awful for life, and what makes them so inhospitable. Plus, we talked about rogue planets and exoplanets that have particularly terrible conditions. Yeah, some truly horrendous places, just so bad. And then we talked about how we can combine these and what we can add to them to make the worst of all possible worlds. So let's get into it. Here's Dead Planet Society from New Scientist Live. Enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you all for being here. Uh, We have with us Louis Dartnell and Vincent Van Eylen. So Louis is an astrobiologist and a presenter and author based in London. And he is also a professor at the University of Westminster. And he's appeared on numerous TV documentaries and radio shows. And he's also written a book, one of five. The book is called Being Human, How Our Biology Shaped World History. And Vincent is also here with us. He's an astronomer and professor at the University College London, where he primarily studies exoplanets, which are worlds outside of our solar system. And he uses, you know, those enormous data sets that they have from NASA and ESA that they get from the James Webb Space Telescope to characterize exoplanets and their stars. So, Lewis, what did you? What are your worst planets? I'm an astrobiologist. I spend most of my time thinking about where we could find life in our own solar system, and I, I don't mean little green bug-eyed monsters. I mean hardy single-celled bacteria, and I spend most of my time thinking about our next-door neighbor planet, Mars. And Mars, we think, has got a good chance of having life on its own surface, hardy, bacteria-like life. But it's not exactly conducive for human life. So for the sake of this (laughs) this thought experiment, let's imagine that we are having this conversation on the surface of Mars, and we accidentally pop outside for a stretch of our legs and a walk, and we forget to put our spacesuit on. We would die exceedingly quickly. And one of the biggest problems with Mars is that its atmosphere is so very thin. It's about six millibars, so about 6%, 0.6% of what the Earth's atmospheric pressure is. And we need the atmospheric pressure to basically stop our blood from boiling. 
I don't know if anyone's seen uh, Total Recall, the original film with Arnie, not the more recent adaptation, <laughs> which is awful. But there's a scene where Arnie uh, smashes his helmet of his space spacesuit, and his eyes start bulging and popping out of his skull. Yeah. Wouldn't quite be that bad, but it would still be a pretty unpleasant way to die. And maybe one of the last thoughts to be going through your mind as you feel the saliva boiling off your own tongue would be be able to sing the Earth as a star in Mars's sky. You would have the one beautiful that, moment. You would have that poetic <laughs> moment to be able to see home as you perished on the surface of an alien world. Yeah, that sounds pretty awful. <laughs> pretty pretty Horrendous. bad. I think uh, people talk a lot about moving humanity to Mars. It's pretty unpleasant as a place. It is pretty hostile. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it is potentially the best place, the best planet other than Earth for life. Well, in many respects, it's the most Earth-like place we know about. It's just not all that Earth-like. At least not now. It was much more Earth-like, we think, in its past, which is why we're excited about the possibility of life there on on primordial Mars. Mm -hmm. What about you, Leah? The planet I think is the worst also happens to be my least favorite planet, which is Mercury. It's really close to the sun. And when we think about a planet being bad for life, a lot of the time we think about it either being very hot or very cold. Mercury is both. It is tidally locked, so one side always faces the sun, and that side, which we call the day side, is about 800 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 430 Celsius, all the time. Absolutely yeah. awful. Too hot. Too hot. That will give you just, sunburn very, just a very little too hot. <laughs> a little too hot. Also, like you'd get a lot of cancers from sure. all of the radiation. And then there's the other side, which always faces away from the sun, which is minus 290 degrees Fahrenheit, or minus 180 Celsius. Equally unpleasant. Um, <laughs> maybe worse. I don't like cold more than I don't like hot. Yeah, potentially worse. And it's got very little atmosphere. There's very little going on on Mercury. It's a, basically a big ball of iron with a little bit of rock on the outside that's too hot and too cold. So I don't love it, and I don't... I think there's a the very thin band that would be okay called the Terminator, which is the area between the day side and the night side. Would you have well, to sort of like run zone. back and forth? It's, it's also called the twilight zone. You could stand right on the edge of that shadow, around the, the ring, around the annulus around Mercury, where it's, the sun just hangs on the horizon forever. Yeah, so that would be pretty awesome. But if you took a couple of steps in the wrong direction... Oh, freeze. Yeah, bad day. <laughs> Oops. Yes, yeah, so. I would say for me in the solar system, Jupiter is my least favorite planet. I don't like it. I don't understand why everyone thinks it's so beautiful. And it's the uh, biggest and best one. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> we have this fight going back years. And um, you know, a gas planet is pretty bad for life. I think uh, it's pretty noxious in there. And then I think once you get down under the gas, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of molten, right? Like at some point, it stops being gas and it starts being. I don't know what. Or, or metallic hydrogen people right. talk about in the very core, the very center of Jupiter, where the pressures get so unbelievably high that even the molecular hydrogen is being pressed together into a sort of new state of matter, into metallic hydrogen. Yeah, so I don't want to have a house there. Don't, don't go there. You, yeah. You'd be dead long before you get there. You'd be <laughs> dead, dead in the upper cloud next to Jupiter. Don't sure. worry about that. But then our Jupiter's not the only Jupiter, right, Vincent? There's hot Jupiters. Like, there is hot Jupiter. Our Jupiter is yeah. terrible, in my opinion. But a hot Jupiter seems bad. Yeah, hot Jupiter is kind of like a Jupiter, but put much closer to the sun. So it's more like 2,000 degrees on there, pretty much everywhere. Are there any sort of hot Jupiters you can think of that you've come across as you studied exoplanets that have like, particularly horrific places? I would pick Hat P7b. So that's a kind of Jupiter-sized planet. It's roughly similar in size to Jupiter, but it has an orbit so much closer to its star 
that it gets around in about two days. Oh, um, so it's so, you know, there's one good bit, which is you'd have a birthday every two days. <laughs> but other than that, there's not much good about it if you want to live there. You know, it's a, a ball of gas. It's 2,000 plus degrees. There is winds that are several hundred or several thousand kilometers per hour going kind of from the side facing the sun for the star to the backside. They probably have things like sapphire rain. It's a pretty terrible place to be at. Sapphire rain. That doesn't sound too terrible to me, to be honest. Kind of pretty, but... <laughs> if you had a, a net, you could catch it as it fell. <laughs> but if you are just getting if you're cut dying, up by If it. you're dying while you're fishing for the sapphire, yeah, all right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, might not what be a What a way to go, though. <laughs> Well, I was also thinking about, you know, we're talking about planets that are around a star, but there are rogue planets too, right? So these are planets that have been kicked out of their solar system, usually because another star comes by and sort of disrupts an orbit, or there's some orbital chaos with the planets, and they get just booted out like traffic jam. And these, I first thought these would be pretty rare, but I was looking it up and like, something like 38% of solar systems have lost a planet in their lifetime. So there's lots of these rogue planets just kind of out there floating, you know, cold and frigid in the vastness of space. And even the ones with the thickest atmospheres would freeze and be pretty miserable, yeah? Eventually. So there has been some research that looks at uh, rogue planets and they might still be able to have liquid water on the surface ah. and be suitable for life if they're big enough with enough, you know, sort of internal heat, like sort of heat that drives volcanoes on Earth but also have a very, very thick atmosphere. They've got a really big, thick coat on that okay. insulates them against that. But you're right, most, of, most rogue planets are going to be you know, far from the nearest star, far from their campfire of a sun and exceedingly cold, and again, not the sort of place you want to find yourself on. But I, I, I think they would be pretty terrible because <laughs> I think a rogue planet, and you're right, there are probably many of them, it's kind of like an Earth, but then there's no more sun. It's like permanent winter, which sounds to me like probably the worst kind of thing to have. Yeah, pitch black. I was yeah. about to say that every day would be the same, but there would be no such thing as days. Every night yes. would be... Every, always would Everything be the same. is always the same, yeah. <laughs> uh, which sounds pretty awful, in addition to all the research that suggests that having things be different from each other sometimes is very important for life developing. Having yeah, tides you need gradients, right? You need... So I think those are pretty bad for life developing, and also if you got dropped off there, it would be kind of like eternal damnation a little bit. <laughs> Just the same Unsustainable all the time. might be the way to put it. Yeah. So cold. <laughs> Awful. Are there other kinds of exoplanets that we can think of that might be pretty miserable? Yeah, there's, so when it comes to exoplanets, so planets around other stars, I think we know some 5,000 by now. That's a lot. Uh, and we've done research on quite a few of them, and you know, on some we know more than others. And of course, one of the goals is really to find one that looks quite like the Earth, right? We actually want to find Earth copies, Earth twins of some kind. And that's been pretty hard, but we found plenty that are not like the Earth and are probably pretty terrible. And it was kind of hard to narrow down to one planet that would be really terrible. So I, I picked three. Okay. One is Hathaway 7, the Jupiter, that's, that's really hot. Another one is also very hot, called Kepler-10b. But it's not a Jupiter, it's an Earth. Uh, so it's rocky, or it would be rocky if it wasn't so hot. So we expect that the whole surface is basically molten. So it's kind of like the floor is lava over the whole planet. Yeah, that sounds um, bad. So that's, that's pretty bad. So that would be my second option. And the third one, uh, K222b, is a planet that's basically disintegrating. So basically the, the planet's kind of slowly falling apart. There's kind of like a tail of a comet kind of floating behind the planet. And so it's basically being at the end of its life and it's being ripped apart. So, you know, I would pick between being ripped apart, 
having a lava floor or the kind of you know sapphire winds, I mean, uh, these whatever aren't you think good is worse. Options, but I think being on a planet that's being shredded while you're on it seems like the scariest one for sure. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, why choose? Yeah. <laughs> I here on Dead Planet Society, we have promised to make the worst possible world. So I think we should talk about whether or not we can combine all of the things that make all these worlds awful into one mega awful planet. Yeah, the worst of all possible worlds. <laughs> so some of them aren't going to be feasible. Like, uh, well, combining very hot and very cold just makes a lukewarm planet, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't, you can't combine all extremes. Well, but, but we did hear about Mercury. Could you have one side that's very if, hot? If it's tidy locked, exactly. Yeah, yeah. have a very hot side and a very cold side, yeah. But I think we talked about possibilities like a, a supernova, an exploding star going off nearby the planet, yeah. and that would that would make for a really bad day. So what would happen? What would that day be like? Well, it, it, would, it would last for sort of centuries, for thousands yeah. of years. <laughs> exactly. it, would, it would pummel the planet for a while. You would die quite quickly on the surface, <laughs> but you would see an immense flash of light, which is what we see with supernovae in our galaxy and other galaxies as well. And with that would be a surge of radiation which would you know, shred up your DNA, give you all the mutations and cancers that uh, would end up killing you. But also that flood of radiation would start stripping away the ozone layer from mm. a planet like Earth. And then if it's not the radiation from supernova that kills you, it'd be the ultraviolet rays beating down from the star that you're orbiting would kill you. And it also make uh, the worst kind of acid rain, make a lot of nitrogen dioxide in the atmosphere, which would dissolve in the water and fall as super acidic rain. So there'd be many, many things all going wrong all at the same time if a star would explode too close to our Earth or another Earth-like planet. Let's just so, be very clear that this isn't going to happen about to happen. <laughs> Um, will it happen in the future, in the far, far future? Well, the, as the sun orbits around the center of our galaxy, the galaxy is, is sort of swirling around, so we're coming closer and further away from other stars. So 10,000 years, 100,000 years in the future, the night sky would look very different because all the stars have moved around. So you might get a sort of drive-by where a large, massive star <laughs> swings near to the Earth and the solar system and through really bad, unlucky timing, chooses that moment to pop off and explode when, when it's nearby to us. There is a star that many of you will be familiar with, which is one of the shoulders of Orion called Betelgeuse, and that is a super red giant star at the moment, which will go supernova at some point in the future, but thankfully is very far away. That is in far enough away that it won't be a huge problem for the, for the habitability of the Earth when it does explode. It would be a, a, an awe-inspiring sight, though, when that goes off in our sky. Yeah. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, so here at Dead Planet Society, we give ourselves magic powers to do whatever we want in the solar system. And so I'm wondering if we could put a planet, a perfectly nice one to begin with, 
around something that's not a star? Like, what if a planet was orbiting a black hole? What would that be like? Would it be horrific? Would it be as terrible as I want it to be? <laughs> that depends, I think. If you're far enough away from a black hole, you could imagine you're still in orbit around it, and you'd be more or less fine. There'd be no more star, really. No light, but yeah. You'd be, but you'd be more or less fine. So I'm not sure that's the, the worst. I think something like a pulsar star, which is a star that's kind of beaming radiation the whole time. Oh, we yeah. actually know some planets around a pulsar. That sounds really terrible. And it's probably worse than a black hole, maybe counterintuitively. Because pulsars are spinning, right? Yeah, so they're spinning and they're releasing high-energy radiation the whole time. So you'd be kind of blasted or beamed by radiation very regularly. So that would be bad. Um, like sitting in front could, of a lighthouse. You know, yeah, put, like the put, universe put meteors or, or asteroids around you. That seems pretty terrible as well, like things falling from the sky all the time. Yeah, um, a planet in an asteroid belt. I think that... So there is a problem with that, because currently, according to the definition that the International Astronomical Union has made for what is a planet, you can't have too many asteroids or, or meteors near you. That's right. why Pluto is not a planet. Right. Um, but if you change that definition, and you know, I suggest we do, so we can have Pluto back. <laughs> You're going to get off on a technicality. Right. So we can have Pluto. We can have Pluto back. <laughs> yes. But once you have that, you could be in a in a kind of asteroid belt as a planet, and then you might have asteroids kind of raining down often, and you know that would be. I think it's maybe interesting the first time, but it would get, it would get old after a while. And, <laughs> yeah. and dinosaurs didn't like it eventually, obviously, either. Yeah, it was a bad day here for them, wasn't it? Yeah, Good day for us, in fairness, though, for yeah. mammals. It gave us a, a bite of the cherry, gave us a chance. <laughs> it seems like some of these are really very similar to the earlier, the much earlier solar system. So it's funny to think that the worst planet, I don't know, could have been Earth three billion years ago when, when there were lots of rocks and stuff coming in and, and things were a bit brighter and the surface was molten because of the collision that produced the moon. Seems like potentially ages ago Earth was one of the Maybe. worst worlds. <laughs> and, and with no oxygen to breathe as well. So you go, you go back more than about two and a half billion years in our past and you need a spacesuit to walk around even on the surface of the Earth. Like our Earth would have been an alien planet as far as we're concerned if you, if you go back far enough. Yeah. the atmosphere evolved. Yeah, I mean... I guess what's terrible depends on your perspective. Right? Terrible for us, it's easy to find things, but it's hard to know what's terrible for, for everyone. I sometimes wonder if an alien were to look at the Earth, they might think it's pretty terrible. Like they might say, oh, it, has, it seems to spin every 24 hours, right? day-night cycles. Every 24 hours, you go from warm to cold. How can any, you know, you'd never be able to survive yeah, on there's, there. There's no, right? that's there's no oceans of ammonia that you can exactly, drink. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some other non-Earth situations that could be pretty bad, right? So what if... There was a planet that was in just like a very busy area of space, like a stellar cluster. Like, I'm curious, because space is so big and so vast, and I always forget how much of it is out there. Yeah. Like, how smushed together could a planet be? What, how busy a neighborhood could it live in and still not be a, hang together as a planet? Well, the solar system did form as part of a stellar cluster, and then they all kind of drifted off and, and went their own way. And there have been research projects looking at trying to identify the sun's siblings, trying to find stars with very similar uh, spectral characteristics. They might have been born as part of the same family. But one of the problems for a planet with life on it, being as part of a, a star cluster, is some of those stellar siblings will be bigger, more massive, burn through their nuclear fuel much more quickly, and then explode. So we've talked already about supernovae uh, already. You really, as a life-bearing planet, probably don't want to be part of a, of a star cluster because some of your star's siblings might <laughs> live fast, die young, blow up, and then wipe out all life on, on your world. And yeah. that'd be a bummer. Yeah, it would. Or yeah. turn you into a rogue planet. 
Yeah. Just yeet you out of your system gravitationally. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be nearby stars, though, right? So when we form planets, we think the sun and the planets form at the same time. And initially, that's sort of gas and dust when you have planets. And so that's where we think there may have formed more than eight or nine, if you like, Pluto. I, I do. Um, I do, too. Then, <laughs> you know, you had more of them, and some of them haven't survived or have been what are now the free-floating planets. They probably formed around the star, but were kind of kicked out. Uh, and some probably crashed into each other. Like, we think the moon is a result of kind of a crash, uh, you know, and that formed Earth and Moon. So there is, it's a pretty violent process forming planets, and so you end up with some that live and some that don't, and some might have crashed onto their stars and kind of be swallowed by the stars, and some have been ejected to space and kind of in the eternal darkness. I mean, getting back to the worst of all worlds, being swallowed by a star sounds like a pretty bad day for a planet <laughs> too, right? <laughs> it probably is, yeah. There's something very neat you could do with rogue planets because they're ejected from star systems by the gravitational interaction of all the other planets swirling around. But we've also seen stars and probably planets as well being ejected from black holes, the black hole in the center of the galaxy. So if you wanted to journey from one galaxy to another galaxy, one way of doing that might be to engineer, you know, some super advanced civilization to engineer the gravitational interactions to eject a planet in the right direction towards the next galaxy so you can then ride it and have all the resources and the things you need to keep yourself going for the, for the long, long voyage. That rather would be than trying incredible. To, rather than trying to build a spaceship, you would just turn your planet into a spaceship and fling it in the right direction. Ping pong through the galaxy. Exactly, the yeah. So sort of sci-fi type scenario that we might be attempting as a species in the far future. I like that. Well, so thinking about all of these terrible, terrible things that we've talked about, can several of them exist together on one planet? Like, what, what doesn't negate each other? Like, would the worst planet have a star or not? Sure. <laughs> I think it should have a star. I think that the other ones are, like, cold, but there's not as much going on. Yeah, I feel like a planet that's got the molten surface. That sounds very worse than a cold to, planet. Right? So you'd rather go to Antarctica for holiday than go to somewhere super hot? Yeah, this is the question of whether you're sort of a winter or summer person. Yeah. Right? What, what do you, do you think days are too hot or do you think winter is the most miserable? Frankly, I'm like more in the middle. I like a mild temperature. <laughs> but I'm a I'd, winter I think person, hot sounds so. worse. <laughs> All right. So hot world. So we'll, we'll have, your, we'll yeah, have your, okay. your floor is lava, molten surface planet. The floor is lava. Orbiting okay. too closely to its star. Yeah. And Can maybe do... the star is going to explode or have a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would do Could it. we do a half and half? Would it be possible to have a planet that where it's got a night side and the, only the day side is so hot that it's molten? Or Yeah, at Probably. some point do you get too close? Most of, yeah, most of these planets kind of have a permanent day side because they're kind of like the moon. You see the same side all the time. So if you lived on the day side, you'd see the sun the whole time. And if you're on the back side, you actually wouldn't see the sun at all. So in that sense, maybe even if you're close, and it might still be pretty warm, uh, you wouldn't actually see the sun at all. So it would still be dark. Okay, best of both worlds. So we want hot and cold. Okay. <laughs> It'd also be really stormy if you've got one side of your planet which is incredibly hot on the sun side and the far side where it's living in eternal nighttime and the planet have an atmosphere, you would have most incredible storms yeah, rushing from the terrible. day side to night side. So you can have that as well. Great. You can have a stormy hot planet. <laughs> okay, and can we get that sapphire rain in there? I think that, yeah, that should, that should not be a big problem. <laughs> or meteorites, meteorites falling on. If we have to live in this soil. terrible wind and this terrible planet, I want this after you, you want a heavy bombardment of asteroids as well. Fair enough. You can, <laughs> yeah. you can have that. Yeah, I feel like we're at a like, cosmic restaurant just ordering everything. Everything on the menu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the worst things on the menu. Exactly. But I do think, so to me, that's the worst, right? Hot, tidally locked, terrible winds, sapphire rain. But the one thing that's worse than that is engulfed. Like, I think 
this one exists. One plunging into the star <laughs> right? would arguably be, be worse than all of that. I would agree with you, I think, yeah. yeah. As, as your star reaches the end of its natural lifetime and expands out as a, as a red giant, that would be the end of days, but also the worst day. You'd be saving the worst to last in terms of the planet's Yeah, I think uh, that, that's a good way to get engulfed as well. If you wait for your star to eventually grow in size, we notice what happened to the sun over time, it will grow. You'd kind of slowly see it grow until it eventually kind of comes towards you and engulfs you. So you'd see it happening over a long time. You'd see the star come closer and closer until it's not you falling onto the star, it's the star coming towards you and eventually you're But you're, you're right. You'll be engulfed. The, the terror of watching it come at you is the worst part of that. Not even being on the worst of all worlds. You sort of know how many years you have left. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be over the course of generations, it, it, right? It would, you wouldn't it would be seeing it get yeah. closer. I don't know. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I wish. But that is going to happen here, though, right? All the in, inner planets will be engulfed by the sun. Yeah, the sun will grow in size, and then the closer you are, the more in trouble you are likely to be. Right. So I'm, I'm just saying, I don't have a vendetta, but this sounds a little bit like Mercury. Just a little bit worse. It does but sound a little bit Mercury. like Mercury. Very close, tidally locked. It doesn't have that sapphire rain. It doesn't, it doesn't have an atmosphere, so we'd have to give Mercury an atmosphere. And then we've made the worst of all worlds. <laughs> Mercury too. <laughs> we already did it. <laughs> it's almost unbelievable that the worst planet we can imagine is very much like one we have right in our own solar system. It's not unbelievable. I knew it from the beginning. And now it's confirmed that Mercury is the worst. <laughs> I suppose it is. I wonder how much less worse it would get if we took one of our listeners' suggestions. James from London wrote in to ask what would happen if Mercury and Neptune switched places? How would that affect the solar system? I'm guessing there'd be some orbital dynamic chaos for sure. And maybe Neptune would become another Mercury. We'll have to investigate that one further. Thanks, James. And thanks to everyone who joined us in London at New Scientist Live. Talk to you next time. Bye. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.